edition of the Embedded Insiders, Brandon and Rich discuss how digital twins that reflect physical IoT systems can not only record the status of real-world devices, but simulate how the devices could react under certain conditions in the future, and how these twins can also potentially be used to help inform future designs. Later, the Insiders are joined by Brady Benware, VP and General Manager of the Tessin Portfolio at Mentor, a Siemens business. The company recently acquired Ultrasoc, who focuses on on-chip analytics, among other things, perhaps allowing Siemens to address the concept of digital twins all the way down to the chip level. After, John LeBros is back with Things That Annoy a Veteran Software Engineer, where he explains why inconsistent use of acronyms and abbreviations bothers him. Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded Computing Design Franchise, uh, here with my co-leader, Brandon Lewis, for this week's Embedded Insiders. Hello, Brandon. Hi, Rich. I, I wonder why, why is it always afternoon where you are? Well, because I'm three hours ahead. Well, you're three hours ahead of me, but here it's 8.30 in the morning. Well, I get up so early that it feels like it's always near the end of my day. Okay. <laughs> um, we are in this world now where the Internet of Things has all of these sensors, all of these components, everything's connected, and we're starting to be able to do some really cool things with that data. Actually, we're not starting to. We, people have been. And one of the ways they've been doing that is by creating digital twins. Do you know what a digital twin is? I do know what a digital twin is. What is it? It's when you replicate your system with a second system that is a digital version, a, a virtual as opposed to a physical system. And then you can do all your calculations, manipulations, whatever on that digital version. And presumably if, if it actually is a twin, you would have the same implications on the actual physical system that you had on the digital system. Yeah. And, and one of the other things that, that's really profound about a digital twin is in theory, you could simulate manipulate using your terminology, what would happen to that real life physical system under a bunch of different conditions out in the wild. So say it's a car, for example, what if this car, you know, has 115,000 miles on it, it's running here in Arizona, um, you drive it up to, uh, I don't know, to Florida where you are, and all of these different things are happening to it along the way. Now, one of the one of the issues here is how effective is a digital twin if you're modeling the entire vehicle, but not all of the specific components within that vehicle? I would assume it's not that effective, right? Your example is, is, is a good one and probably one of the most difficult ones um, because there's so many factors that come into play that you're likely not aware of um, mm -hmm. that you, know, you wouldn't even think to simulate. So a car, for example, has how, how many different components are there in a car? Well, the last one that I just looked at had uh, 150 ECUs on it. Okay. So during that trip that we're talking about with this 115,000 mile car driving from Arizona to Florida, you know, you're talking about looking at what's happening to all of those different ECUs over the course of that trip in this digital twin. And that's, I mean, it's, it's just mountains and mountains of data and, Actually, even further than that, you know, what's happening inside of those ECUs, not how just how they're interacting with each other and how they're 
course, how the corresponding subsystems are changing, what's happening down inside of the chip itself. And that's something that people over at Mentor, or Siemens business, actually have recognized is could be very, very advantageous. And what they did to address it is acquire Ultrasoc. Do you know who Ultrasoc is? I do know who Ultrasoc is. Uh, I was first introduced to them when Risk Five came into into vogue, um, but they actually go beyond Risk Five. Yeah, for sure. One of the things that they do is this on-chip analytics, and over at Mentor, they're going to be looking at it in terms of sort of an EDA context, but it does have some pretty awesome implications for how you can look at what's happening down at the chip level, and then being part of a company like Siemens, that could really upstream out through throughout the entire system of systems that is a car. Rather than just you and I go back and forth about it, it'd be great if we had somebody from Siemens who could talk about it. Wouldn't it? Brady Benware, VP and General Manager of the Tesson Portfolio is joining us next. The insiders are now joined by Brady Benware, VP and General Manager of the Tesson Portfolio at Mentor, a Siemens business. He discusses the company's recent acquisition of Ultrasoc. So big news out of Mentor over the past couple of days is that Mentor Siemens business, and I guess Siemens um, in a broader sense, has acquired Ultrasoc. For those listeners who aren't aware of Ultrasoc, can you give us a little bit of background on the company? Sure. Uh, Ultrasoc is a, a UK-based company that uh, works in the space of embedded analytics for SOC devices. Uh, they provide instrumentation within the device in order to really have a significant impact in the rest of the life cycle from the debug phases in, in late stages of verification through uh, first silicon and then later on in, in through the end use of the devices in their in-life application uh, in areas of uh, providing uh, capabilities to do monitoring of the devices for things like functional safety, security, and uh, continuous device optimization. So I know that Ultrasoc has you know, pretty, a pretty comprehensive portfolio, but specifically they've been doing a lot of work in the automotive space. Uh, does that fit really well with uh, what Mentor and Siemens uh, in general are trying to go after? How does that kind of fit into your portfolio serving those customers? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and certainly this is a, a very exciting uh, acquisition for us because of the nature of of how well it fits into to the overall strategy that we have within Siemens Digital Industry Software and uh, within the EDA space in particular, where uh, Mentor uh, comes into the picture and uh, the area of the Tessent product family, uh, which has traditionally served the, the design for test market. Uh, so that basic vision is that as we go forward here, um, companies are needing additional solutions in order to, to deal with the complexities of the complete product lifecycle. So it's no longer just about designing an SOC for its primary function, but then adding all of this instrumentation in there to really accelerate and, and be successful throughout the rest of the, the lifecycle. And, and that certainly includes areas like automotive where functional safety is such a, a critical factor and certainly within the digital industry software accelerator platform there are a number of of key capabilities that are serving the automotive industry today and uh, this is a nice complement not only to what we're doing in the area of design for test for automotive uh, but also the the 
uh, broader general strategy that's that's employed here in the accelerator plat, uh, portfolio. One of the really compelling things about this acquisition to me is, as you've you've mentioned, Brady, you're talking about the ability in in some in one portion of the ultrasoft portfolio to do this monitoring down at the chip level, which really speaks to this sort of industry 4.0 a context of having these feedback loops that are continuously informing what's going on within com within components of a system so do you see this plugging in you mentioned the broader digital software offerings plugging into sort of digital twin like platforms that can be pushed out into various different uh, sectors to let's say to monitor a robotics platform or to uh, look at what an autonomous vehicle is doing over its life cycle yeah, excellent point. Uh, certainly, this is is a very natural uh, component of the broader strategy associated with uh, the digital twin and really leveraging the knowledge that you build up in the design phase and, and the capabilities at instrumentation out throughout the rest of that life cycle into a lot of these interesting uh, application areas. You mentioned robotics, uh, uh, autonomous drive, and, and those are those are very, very applicable areas where the ability to monitor what's going on in the device, uh, leveraging that data, leveraging the, the insight there uh, to not only drive those improvements and, and have that standalone protection for the device, but bringing that data out in a broader sense and, and understanding uh, how to drive optimizations in, in, uh, in the operation uh, of those capabilities is a key component. I would add, though, that, that beyond the, the application areas that you, you mentioned, certainly one of the really large uh, areas of interest is going to be in, in terms of, of the data center, where you start to bring together lots of different workloads um, and the need to understand how those workloads are actually interacting with the hardware itself. Having that insight all the way down at the hardware level is going to uh, create tremendous amount of opportunity to drive improvements in how that hardware is uh, is created, um, how the software um, is created, and ultimately how you structure those workloads within the data center. So a number of areas here where, where this is applicable really quite broadly across the industry as we uh, get into uh, you know, the, the, the future here of AI, robotics, uh, autonomous drive and, and uh, cloud operation for everything, um, it, it's going to have a, a, a widespread effect. So with that said, how much of this acquisition is it so you can have Ultrasac as an internal customer as, as opposed to selling to the outside world? Yeah, great, great question, Rich. The, uh, you know, the, the, the premise of this acquisition really is founded on, on the fact that we actually have a shared vision for what the industry needs and where it's headed. Um, and so this is, this is really all about serving external customers with a combined uh, set of solutions that are, that are very complementary serving that same vision today. So this is not about having an internal customer as, as it is about uh, you know, serving the, the industry with uh, complementary solutions that are really tackling those lifecycle challenges that customers have today. I'm pretty familiar with Siemens and with Mentor, and there's a lot of really smart people at these companies. Why didn't you just develop this technology in-house? Yeah, 
Great question. Um, certainly, this is an area where it, um, it, it's a very compelling area. And as we look at uh, the strategy, we had a very um, you know, specific intent to get into this area and especially into the area of the functional monitoring to complement the, the structural capabilities that are there today. And uh, certainly as you look at the options that you have available to you where, where you're doing build by partner kinds of decisions, uh, it became pretty obvious pretty quickly that the, the buy approach was, was definitely the right approach in this case. And it's not just because of the, the technologies and, and what you have to build. Um, it's really about the experience of the team, the knowledge that they've built up over the, the last five years as they've accelerated into the space of, of in life. Um, and uh, as well, the, the traction that they have with the customer base today uh, and the partnerships that they have. So uh, certainly when you look at a decision like this, technology is, and, and the building of the product is, is certainly one component. But when you bring together the, the experiences and the traction that already exists uh, with Ultrasock, it, it made uh, all the sense in the world that, um, you know, given that uniqueness that they, they possess in this area, um, that it made all the sense in the world to, to do an acquisition. So, Brady, if you were a Tessent user in the past uh, or you were an Ultrasock uh, user in the past, how can you expect to see these technologies uh, it moving forward in the future? Are they going to be integrated all under the Tessent portfolio or are they going to be kept separate? How's the integration going to work? Yeah, great question. The, you know, in, in terms of where this, uh, where these capabilities are being brought into the portfolio uh, within this accelerator portfolio, it's being brought in in, in tight uh, integration with the, uh, the Tessent product family. And so that has been traditionally a design for test uh, portfolio of, of capabilities. But what we've seen within that area of, of design for test is, is a fairly rapid evolution uh, and expansion of the responsibilities that design for test is serving today. And, uh, you know, it's really that underlying motivating force here that uh, where we're seeing the expansion in the role of test as it goes from really being part of a, a manufacturing operation to really serving the, the purposes throughout the entire life cycle, and especially that end use environment with functional safety. Um, you know, that's, that's where we see a lot of, of, of similarity in terms of the nature of augmenting designs with these subsystems, uh, having the linked applications throughout the rest of the life, life cycle to leverage that instrumentation. Um, and ultimately be a source of, of data for a lot of the analytics that are going to drive that success throughout the life cycle. You know, that, that, that common basic approach uh, to the solutions, but really solving complementary and different challenges with respect to um, the, the design for test technologies, which have largely been focused on things like defects and reliability versus the ultrasonic technologies that are focused on more of a functional monitoring and can uh, address some of the challenges associated with hardware bugs, software bugs, uh, uh, malicious attacks, and, and even surprises in terms of the use cases or workloads that are operating on these devices. These are really serving the, the same vision but with very complementary technologies. And so we see that tight integration with the Tessent uh, portfolio, but at the same time, it's really gonna leverage the extent 
and the the breadth of the uh, the, the the scope of uh, the digital industry software uh, portfolio and and look at things like um, the broader set of of capabilities for data analytics and and really making use of this throughout the uh, the full complement of of the accelerator platform. So we'd be remiss, Brady, if we didn't mention the fact that Ultrasoft was one of the early members of the Risk Five Foundation. Uh, Risk Five is the open source ISA that's produced a lot of uh, new startups and chips and some disruption in the industry. Does that have any? Uh, does that play any role in this acquisition? As Mentor and Siemens, in a broader perspective, from a broader perspective, looking into the Risk Five uh, ISA and technology portfolio. Yeah, Risk Five is certainly a very interesting area within the industry these days. It gets a lot of uh, attention, um, and as you said, Ultrasoc has made an investment in order to ensure that its products work very well uh, with Risk Five uh, processors. Uh, but I, it's it's worth noting that um, the you know the, the the technologies here and the capabilities support a very broad range of, of processors, whether those are ARM processors or uh, MIPS or RISC-V or ARC, um, all of the processors are supported. And, and this is really about ensuring that you know, we have the capabilities um, that are being used by our customers. So independent of, of what core they're, they're using, that they have a, a single unified way of of doing the monitoring across that, whether that's mixed and matched or uh, what variety they, they're using, uh, that we wanna make sure that we have solutions that are compatible with, with what they're choosing to use. And so certainly the investment in RISC-V is largely about the fact that it is a community that has to come together to develop standards and, and where our investment is there and where Ultrasoc's investment there is is ensuring that those standards are in place so that we can take these unified approaches uh, to, to being able to monitor all of those processors, the buses that are on the devices, uh, and any custom logic that's in there as well. Now, John Labrosse is back with more things that annoy a veteran software engineer. So one of the things that irritates me is the uh, inconsistent use of acronyms and abbreviations so, for example, uh, instead of using the word average and spell it out in an identifier, I'd rather somebody standardize on AVG. It's pretty much uh, understood by everybody that AVG stands for average. There's no need to spell it all out. Using the agreed upon acronym or abbreviation also saves a lot of time when you're actually searching for identifiers in one or multiple files. So instead of... Uh, looking, oh, I got to look for average, I got to look for AVG, I got to look for AVE, I got to look for all kinds of different ways you've decided to spell that. So with that being said, I hope that uh, the team of developers are actually keeping track of all these agreed upon uh, acronyms and abbreviations so that there is no confusion and that everybody agrees that they should be using all the same things. Thanks for listening to this edition of Embedded Insiders. For daily industry news, videos, and podcasts, visit our website, embeddedcomputing.com.